This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. Packer and Durham. Power Hour is upon us as we continue to stream live on the ESPN app. You've got the number for the program. That'd be 844-SAY-ACCN. Appreciate uh, Petra Hewa joining us. Anytime we have an Australian on the show, I'm all for it. There you go. Told you during the break. I, I wish I was Australian. <laughs> That'd be a heck Next of a... life, I want to come back and oh, Australia. Oh, great. That'd be a heck of a trick. Uh, we got a lot of ground to cover here, and we have got the right man to do it with. Uh, we start the power hour with the uh, director of athletics at the University of North Carolina, Bubba Cunningham, who joins us live from Chapel Hill. A couple things here. First of all, congratulations on your new package. Well-deserved. Uh, great to have you at Chapel Hill and in the ACC. Um, and you guys have been busy. I mean, I know Amelia Island was last week from a conference perspective, but you guys have been lining up all sorts of NIL things. You've gotten a lot of accommodations for what you've done with name, image, and likeness. As we come up on the, if I may say this, 11-month anniversary of this thing, you feel like you're in the best possible situation given the volatility of the landscape, Bubba? Well, I guess that's a, a good way to uh, try to frame it. Um, I don't feel like we're in great shape. I, I feel like we're trying to navigate new space like everyone else. And uh, some of the things we could anticipate, some of the things that uh, happened, we had no idea were coming. So I think our students have done an outstanding job. Our coaches have done a great job and the compliance staff in trying to facilitate uh, answers in a very uh, unsettled area something that we don't know you know we have any history of doing before and so i think we're, we're in good shape to navigate that space and provide uh, as much information and clarity as we can given the state that we're in i but, think there's a there's a lot to do going forward bubba uh after amelia island ended last week and you're flying back on american airlines you and tina and like i said earlier i knew we were in good shape when i saw you two get on the board uh what was the one thing you learned the most about last week where you said, all right, we, we've got some direction, we've got some clearance, we kind of have some guidance, and I feel that everybody in the room's on the same page. And there may be multiple answers to this question, but what, what do you feel the best about after leaving Amelia Allen that maybe before you got there, it was still a bit cloudy? Well, I think everyone really felt good about our league. You know, we had the longest meeting we've ever had with our football coaches. And we met for two, two and a half hours the very first day, talked about scheduling, talked about NIL, talked about all the different rules that are affecting college football. And I thought that was time really well spent. And then we had another hour meeting with the following day. We had an hour with the basketball coaches. We had an hour with the women's basketball coaches, and each of them had a few different issues that were really important to them. And I think that's what really, I came away feeling so good about our league because our coaches are so engaged and we're so engaged with them. And then the other thing that we were able to do while we were down there is we had an hour with our presidents and CEOs. And so it, it was the first time they have met with all the athletic directors. They were on Zoom, we were in person. And I think as a league, we got on the same page. You know, we're talking about a very turbulent time in college athletics. There, we had consensus principles we have as a league. You know, we want to make sure that education is in the primacy of what we do. Health and safety is important. Opportunities and equity is extremely important. But then when you get to recruiting and fair play in this NIL area and transfer portal, and the concept of pay per play or what does that look like going forward, and the sustainability of college athletics as we move, 
What do those three things look like? They're going to be very, very different. And it was the first time all of us got in the room and said, okay, what do we think that looks like? We don't really know what the answer is, but at least we're having the conversation to say, it will be different and we need to be thinking about how to best serve our students in this new space. You know, you're not the first, you're, you're the first athletic director we've talked to post Amelia Island that told us about the collaborative nature of your meetings. I think we heard from what, football coaches, Mark? I remember Dabo Sweeney in particular telling us he never felt better aligned with his peers in the head coach's room for football. Uh, Bubba, I don't want to qualify this league as up on a pedestal away from everybody else because I know that it's going to take everybody to get this sorted out. But does this feel like there's been a major breakthrough in teamwork here again, almost like the pandemic when you just knew you had to find a way? Now we know we got to find a way again to kind of calm the waters here? Yeah, I think you're right. It's, it's very unsettling for all of us, but I think all of us having a conversation and talking about it makes it a lot better. You know, all of us are uncomfortable because it's new. Uh, and we try not to be the old grumpy guy in the room say, hey, it's not what it used to be. Of course it's not, because everything is different and we're trying to navigate this new space. So I, I, I just think that this communication, being on the same page, I think Jim Phillips' leadership is outstanding. We have an awful lot of committees and subcommittees and you know that sounds really formal, but the best thing about it is we talk on a regular basis. So all the issues are known to each other. Mm. We don't have all the answers. We have to work through committees to try to move things in a, in a direction that may be helpful to us. But having the discussion on a regular basis means that we understand what the coaches are going through and we're trying to help them with solutions and trying to explain that nationally and what that might look like um, as we move forward. You know, one of the things that happened happened nationally that uh, you know gave us an opportunity to at least talk about you know one division instead of two mm -hmm. now that the council has passed that that opens up a discussion that it's not theoretical anymore it's pretty practical and say okay if we want to do this this is how we can go about doing it but that was gonna be my next question the pac-12 this week it did not take long for george kliakoff yeah. to say listen we're gonna have our two best teams play for a conference championship. I know that was a huge conversation piece last week at Amelia Island. Do you get a sense, again, you're allowed to change your mind, obviously, but do you get a sense that the ACC is probably going to follow that path based on conversation? Well, I don't know if that's a, a definite answer that we're going to follow that path. I, I think there are some people that still like the divisions. I think there are some that, you know, you, hey, I can win the Coastal, I can win the Atlantic. And so you do have, quote unquote, a couple of winners as opposed to getting to the championship and only one team winning. But during the pandemic, when we, you know, we didn't play a non-conference schedule, we did go to a single division and Notre Dame ended up playing Clemson in the ACC championship game. And I think all of us said, oh, that was a pretty good outcome. And so I, I think that really opened up our eyes to looking at that possibility. So. As we've joked about before, you know, I, I've been in the league 10 years now, and if we have three meetings a year, that's 30 meetings. I'd say 27 or 28 of those meetings, we talked about nine games, eight games, one division, two divisions, changing the divisions. And so that's just what we do. And at some point, we will make a change. Okay, well, Pastner told us he'd like to play 28 conference basketball games. You want to tackle that one for us while you're here? Oh my gosh! I, I personally think that, and boy, did I did I get some questions in the uh, with the basketball coaches about why the ACC only got five teams I, in the tournament and we ended up with the best record in the tournament. So, 
playing 20 games, I think, actually hurt us a little bit this year. Um, I do think some of our non-conference scheduling um, was, was impactful. And I think having two fewer non-conference games hurt us a little bit. So, yeah, I'm not a fan of playing more games. I, I have to disagree with Josh on that one. Okay. I want to I go bigger picture here. You've got some colleagues in this nation that have come out and made some fairly literal statements about the industry. Jack Swarbrick telling Pat Forty he thinks we're in a very, very difficult situation. Gene Smith, who I know you've been on committees with, has said that he thinks the college football playoff ought to run major college football and ought to run, quite frankly, the power conferences. That's a possibility. Do you subscribe to that kind of logic? And, and i got to be honest with you, Bubba, it makes a lot of sense to me when I hear that Maybe the commissioners and the CFP and Jack Swarbrick can all get in the same room. I feel like we could streamline things a little more efficiently for sure. I think you're right. You know, college athletics has been built on football, quite frankly. I mean, the NCAA was created for the health and safety of student athletes over 100 years ago. So this is just another iteration. We used to have one division at the NCAA. Then we went to three divisions. Then we subdivided division one into three. Uh, we've had the, we had the bull system, we had the alliance, we had the BCS, now we have the college football playoff. The administration and management of college football and college athletics has been changing over time. Not to mention the fact that nationally we have a lot of uh, new things happening. We have a very pro-union uh, executive branch in government with, uh, with President Biden, and he's controlling the NLRB. That may lead us into a different direction. The Supreme Court, the judicial system, the Supreme Court has ruled that we're in violation of antitrust and that we have to change the way we operate. And then the legislative branch of the government is very pro-student right now, and so they're gonna push us into a different direction. Meanwhile, we have Title IX that we have to worry about and we're violating antitrust. So all of those things lead you to a, a situation where you say, we need to manage this differently. It, do, should we carve football out and manage it totally separate? That would leave basketball and Division One in the tournament, which subsidizes the rest of the NCAA, which I think makes sense. But I think a very uh, significant look into football and what's best for the sport, what's best for the students that are participating, and how do we make sure that we stay equitable? I think we need to examine that. I don't think any of the folks that you mentioned have the answer yet, but I think they're raising the absolute right questions. Um, Bubba, we just saw really an ugly episode for college athletics uh, unveil itself this week with Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher. And it's not an ACC problem, but really it's a college sports issue. Um, give me some positives about name, image, and likeness that maybe don't get the headlines while we're all sitting here talking about who's paying who and all that kind of stuff. I mean, because you, you've got a front row seat here. Give me some positives from all of this based on the last 10 and a half, 11 months. Well, the positives, uh, it, it creates opportunities for every one of our student athletes. And as you know, we've had a couple of student athletes been extraordinary in their sport, whether it's um, Jamie Ortega in women's lacrosse or Aaron Matson in field hockey. And uh, or Chris Gray in men's lacrosse. Many of our Olympic sport athletes, the top, the best ones, have done very, very well in the NIL space because they have gotten endorsements by companies or they're endorsing products that uh, they use and play with. 
A lot of our students are running camps and clinics on their own in their hometown. And then we have a lot of individual students that are incredible influencers on social media. And they have gotten a lot of benefit from NIL. They've learned about taxes, they've learned about planning, they've learned about organizing their time. All of those things that we had hoped would happen, they happened as well. But yes, the last 24, 48 hours has been very disappointing to see, uh, to see the disagreement and the disparagement of each other. That, that's not healthy for anybody, and I think everyone feels badly about that. We're, we have to get those things under control. But we said from the very beginning, NIL for the individual student and for our current student athletes can work and will work. The trouble that we have is recruiting. We don't draft like the pro leagues do, and we don't have a salary cap, and we don't have contracts. And so that makes us different from the pro leagues, yet we're trying to be this modified professional system embedded within the academy. And it, there are really difficult spots, and boy, the last 48 hours really showed some of the worst of the worst. Um, I wanna ask you about some name, image, and likeness situations. There's a six foot 11, apparently, uh, actor who has a, maybe a speaking or non-speaking role on a Netflix series that's coming out. Apparently he doubles as a basketball player. I mean, that, that may be the most, that may be the one that caught my eye the most here in the, uh, in the last month or so. Armando Baycott on Outer Banks, Bubba? Yeah, absolutely outstanding. Absolutely. And that's wonderful for Armando. But for guys old enough like me, then you sit there and say, oh, gosh, whatever happened to uh, Sam Gilbert and UCLA? Are we right back to where we were 35 years ago? I, I, I don't know what's going on. So I'm delighted for, for him. And uh, I can't wait to watch the episode. By the way, as far as uh, individual sports, I know uh, women's tennis, huge oh, match coming up geez. today, last night. Women's lacrosse, rocking and rolling, baseball, walk-off win against Florida State. I know we get late into the quote-unquote sports calendar year, but man alive, North Carolina's got some cool stuff going on late, late, late in the game, don't they? Very excited about it. Last night, you mentioned that. I was at both those games last night. And to be there, two outs, bottom of the night, two guys on, 0-2 count. And I mean, that's what you dream about. And uh, Alberto knocked it out of the park. We win 7-5. Then to be able to walk over to the Women's Lacrosse and see our team finish off and beat a really gritty Stony Brook 8-5 to to go to the Final Four excited. And our men's golf team is leaving uh, a little bit yep. uh, early next week to go out to uh, Greyhawk yep. and uh, compete in the NCAA. So we made, made the cut there. And I hope to get out there. I will get out there next week. But uh, really excited for what's going on with uh, our spring sport programs. You got to get out there and walk with Austin Greaser, right? You got to give him some of the yardages. You want to do some of that, don't you? Because apparently, you know, he, he went 63, Bubba. That's like right in your neighborhood occasionally. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he and I, I play him a lot. of A lot of times we play. I play nine, he plays 18, and we see how we do. <laughs> I still think you're in trouble. When a dude's walking around going low, shooting 63, I want no, unless he's my partner, I want no part of it. Zero. I mean, Bob, that's the thing about this. And, and here's the part. And, and we've talked to a lot of your coaches, right? And we visited with a ton of coaches, obviously, last week in Amelia Island. But we talked to, you know, whether it's Jenny Levy or we talked to soccer coaches, tennis coaches, all sorts of stuff here, softball coaches. The pressure in coaching now is not the conventional pressure. The objectives aren't the conventional objectives. Are you worried about the profession of coaching if we don't get this kind of toned down a little bit? I am. And, uh, and our coaches talk about it occasionally. You know, the, the coaching the game has always been 
pretty hard, but now managing your roster and managing everything associated with the program got a lot more difficult. I was actually with uh, Anson recently and uh, our women's soccer coach, and Anson passed out a cartoon. And the cartoon was the picture of uh, a teacher and two parents looking at the students saying, why do you have such bad grades? And the, the caption underneath said 1969. Then there was another picture that said 2021, and it had the parents and the kid looking at the teacher saying, why does my student have such bad grades? And that's really what has changed. It has really changed the accountability and responsibility for students to say, okay, I own this and need to, to make sure that I do it right. Our coaches are feeling that, and I do. it is a really challenging time for coaches to be managing everything associated with the program and all the pressure to win or the most pressure to win comes from within the coach. They want to be successful, but managing the personalities and the expectations has gotten a lot harder. And I do think that's gonna have an impact on whether or not folks wanna go into that profession. Bubba, last time we had you on the show, I asked the question about mm. timing. And we talked about national legislation in some shape, way, or form for NIL. And you mentioned, hey, at this rate, it could be two or three years down the road. Uh, given all the stuff that's happened since the last time we had you on the show, do you still feel the same as far as a timing standpoint in terms of national legislation? Yeah, I do. Yeah, we, you know, we had a little, we had some. Uh, this is a little bit of a tangent. We had a uh, we had multiple stadium projects going on the last couple of years, and we got way behind schedule. And people kept asking me, "When are these projects going to be done?" I finally just got tired of it, and I said, "Well, they're going to be done on Thursday. I don't know what month. I don't know what year, but that's what I said." <laughs> so this whole thing about when we may get some clarity to this, I, it's going to be two or three years. But I'm hoping we can get it done by Thursday. I have no idea. It, it, as I mentioned, the three different branches of government the transition of leadership in the NCAA, the debate and discussion, as, as Wes was asking earlier, should the football be pulled out? Can the CFPA, which is a management council now, create a governance and administrative structure that would run college football? All of those things are gonna take a long time. So backing up to the question, it's gonna take nine to 12 months for a new CEO of the NCAA to get in place. It'll take that person six to nine to 12 months to kind of put a plan together and shop the plan and get people to agree. Bob Bowlesby's retiring, so the five Power Five commissioners, they'll be down to four with a new person being put in place within the next 12 months or so. So those leadership changes are gonna impact timing as well. So I would think three, two, three, four years, we're still probably hopeful that it'll happen in that period of time. The and I forgot about the transformation committee that's uh, you know, doing work right now. They were supposed to be done by August, but now they're saying we can't get it done by August. It'll take a little bit longer. But what we can't lose sight of, we're still playing games. We're still providing incredible experiences for our student athletes, getting great education. I know the economic stuff is driving everybody out of their mind, but let's not lose sight of what we're doing. We had over 100 students graduate uh, on Mother's Day this year, student athletes graduate on Mother's Day. That's what we're all about. We're, we're debating on our organization, our structure and the economics, but let's keep these kids in mind because that's the most important thing that we do. And that's the part though, and PAC brings up the stat all the time about the number of kids that hit the portal that don't find a landing spot, Bubba. And for people at my age, I guess, mid fifties, that's the heartbreaking aspect of this because there is and you know this because you and I have had the scholarship discussion through the pandemic. We've talked about all that. 
I know that fundraising and that scholarship money is still critical to any lifeblood of any school in the country, especially those ACC institutions. But it is heartbreaking to know that there's snap judgments being made about a portal where a young woman or a young man do not land and continue their education. That, that number has got to stop. we got to find a way to get that number down, and we can do that without a lot of stuff going on. It is disappointing. And, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, we've, we've tried to make rules over the last 25 or 30 years that improved graduation rates. We had a whole academic committee that was designed to do that. We created APR, we created G GSR, Mm -hmm. to move kids, progress toward degree. We had those situations where somebody was in college for five years and didn't graduate. We said, we have to fix that. That's when those metrics went into place. And so we've done that. The reason you couldn't transfer and be immediately eligible was because we knew that if you stay at one school longer, you have a better chance of graduating. We've lost sight of the fact that that's why these rules were in place. What we're saying now is freedom of movement. If a coach can leave to go to another job, the student should be able to leave as well. And there's merit to that as well. But the times have changed. The economics of college athletics has changed. So what we're trying to do is figure out in this economic environment, we want to give students the right to move and do things, but we know that there's going to be a downside of doing that. Our graduation rates will decrease when students start to transfer more. The transferable hours, the courses available, the majors available, all those are going to limit what a student could do, not to mention the fact that there may not be a spot because the, uh, the school they'd like to go to isn't available to them. And once they enter the portal, the school that they're leaving, they've taken away the scholarship and given it to someone else. So that's the downside of it. But the economics behind NIL and other things that are happening in the market may be beneficial in a different way. So we'll have more money to have programs where you can finish your degree after you leave. We'll have better healthcare programs. All of those are a benefit of the economics, but there's also a downside to it. Bubba, always a pleasure. Uh, we learned something every time you're on the show, and it was great seeing you last week at Amelia Allen. Uh, good luck, continued success, and uh, we'll see you down the road. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for all your time, and I uh, appreciate the support of the ACC. Thanks, guys. All right, Bubba Cunningham, AD at Carolina. We get smarter every time. Well, if you just rolled out of bed and you watched the last 20 minutes of the show, you realize the complexity of the issue. It, it's you know, for folks that go, oh, all you need to do is fill in the blank. Yeah, it's not that simple. If it was, this would have been solved a long time ago. Um, when we come back, we will uh, react to some of the things he said. Plus, Charlotte North did some Charlotte North things yesterday. So did the rest of her team. Bell Smith. Oh, Bell Smith was terrific. Carolina winner last night. That was a battle with Stony Brook. We'll get to all that and more. Packer and Durham continues on a Friday. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Chester was talking to me, yawning at me. What? What's, what's going on? Uh, oh, yeah, you guys are boring me to death. Oh, let me just bring Bubba back here. is can, what he's saying. Can, bring back Bubba. Can the Cunningham guy come back and talk to me? Look at that. Lisa, can you get a picture of my man here? Look at this. Who's got a better life than this guy? Huh? He is. Got a new haircut. Yeah. Which he's really going to enjoy today. It's oh. only a high of 96. Ladies choice. There he is. The ladies choice, right? Yeah. Chester. No, doesn't he look like the same dog? I like him fluffy, but he, you know he'll be better off with that 96 hitting today. Yeah. He'll be good to go. 
Yeah. Always, always like having Bubba on the show. I like having all the ads, man. Again, we say this all the time when the student athletes really the stars of the show. But this league is in great shape from a leadership standpoint. Um, I just wish, and he's right. I mean, and and it's hard because you would think with all the ways we can get this potentially done and the efficiency, right, communication wise, that you could get it faster in a couple of years. But I'm afraid. We're gonna have to, we're gonna have to prepare ourselves for two to three years, and he even threw four out there, kind of in the, and and I did not think about this. I didn't think about the government structure and National Labor Relations Board also factoring into this. Well, that's why I said the, the the issue is so more so much more complex than what it looks like on the surface. Because if you're just a fan rolling out going, hey, we just play the games, you know, here's how you solve it. It doesn't work that way. There are so many layers here that have to be addressed. It's a tough situation. But unfortunately, uh, this is where college sports finds itself literally back against the wall. It's a critical time these next uh, year or two coming up. Um, what does what do you think the NCAA looks like? I don't know. I mean, who do you think? And and this is the question. I got asked this question the other Let's night. Let's ask Jim Phillips. He's on the transformation committee. He's running that bad boy. That's what that's all about. Well, and and what do you think? What's the, your role? Forget about what it looks like. What is your role? Is maybe even more important. And what do you think the new leadership of the NCAA looks like? I, that I, position right there, that might be the most critical hire that organization's history's ever made. Yeah, but my gut reaction to all this is that right. there's going to be more power put upon the Power of Five commissioners. I, I think I think that's the direction it's heading in, and whatever the NCAA turns into, right? So be it. Like I said, there's a lot of things the NCAA does that's really, really good that never gets talked about. We, you know, we, we get in front of it. At least I beat it up all the time when it comes to, hey, why didn't you get in front of name, image, and likeness? Why aren't there any kind of guidelines with transfer? I mean, that kind of stuff you have to do a better job, and now you find yourself working uphill. But as far as putting on the events, the NCAA does a great yeah. job. I mean, Not Dan Gavitt is terrific at the basketball tournament. Great. I mean, great job. You couldn't find a better case scenario. Right. Did it always get it right? No, but who does? Yeah. But they do a tremendous job when it comes to events. To me, that is their role. That's the way I look at it. I think the power is going to go back to the power of five leagues. I do, to the commissioners around the country. I think that's where it's going. Well, and let's be honest, too. The enforcement piece of this thing is non-existent. Non-existent. That's exactly right. Nobody is afraid. I used the example this week of a bank robber. Hey, if the cops never arrest you, hey, I'm going to go rob every bank. Mm -hmm. Well, what are you going to do? You you caught me. Yeah, so what? But finding somebody to take the presidency is not going to be just a snap of the fingers and hope for the best. It's it's a hard job. Wes, how much did Mark Emmert make last year? Oh, my God. $3 million? At least. It, it won't be hard to find somebody that says, hey, I'm in for three mil. Where do I take a nap? If you yeah, pay somebody the, $3 million a year, don't tell me it's a hard thing to find somebody that the wants that job. The expectation level is so much higher, though. For $3 million a year, Wes, it will not be hard to find somebody. I don't know, Mark. I think, I think this is nuts. Have you? Did you fall down the steps getting some no, coffee? No, I think it's flammable. I do. I just think there's so much volatility on Dude, the landscape here. I think there's a lot of people that would love to be the head of an organization, as titanic as it may be, at three mil per. Yeah. 
I, I go back to the, the Oliver Luck. I, you need people in who understand what this is today. No, I, that's a different question. That's, that's what I'm question. saying. I don't think you can just – and no offense to leadership on university campuses. you got to have somebody that's been on the front line of what intercollegiate athletics is now lead the NCAA. It can't be just this designate, decorative, decorative-type deal. Well, you got a guy running the Pac-12 that really didn't have any collegiate experience. I think he's done a great no, job he, in a short period of time. Right. Because he's been able to think out of the box. Well, that's the other thing, too. So I don't think that's necessarily the case. You've got to find somebody, though, that can... I'll tell you what, I'll take the gig for $3 million. <laughs> How about that? That would be awesome. I mean, if you said, hey, Pac, you that in for $3 million? I am. Dude, that would be awesome. Pac, you're a disaster. So what... You just paid me $3 million. I can, I can fake it for a year. Can I just tell you that would be awesome? Yeah. Be like me doing golf broadcast. Be good at that, too. I'm putting you on probation. That would be awesome. I Done. Can, how about if you were like, if you were in charge of the NCAA, pressers would be awesome. The, I would handle a pro, I could do a press golf. I, could, I, I don't know if I'd be as entertaining as, uh, let me get it again. Uh, reason people don't, I ain't uh, back in working for him. Uh, it wouldn't be that good. Like Jimbo yesterday. All right, let's check lacrosse for you real quick. Uh, two up, one down in the quarterfinals for the ACC. Uh, last night, North Carolina. Uh, well, first of all, Boston College got Bell Smith scored 30 times. Seven to be attacked. Yeah, she scored seven. They had uh, four hat tricks. Bell Smith, seven goals, career high. There she is, right in front. Greyhounds had no chance against Bell Smith and Charlotte North. Look at the pass on that, by the way. Acacia Walker Weinstein, they win 20 to 13 on to women's lacrosse's final four. Uh, they will meet Maryland next Friday in Baltimore. Uh, in Chapel Hill last night, North Carolina trailed at the half to Stony Brook, the best defensive team in women's lacrosse. Pac told you in the first hour, Jamie Ortega scoreless last night. Didn't matter. Jenny Levy's team found a way, didn't they? Taylor Moreno, so good. Phenomenal. Carolina scores four straight to win. 8-5 last night in Chapel Hill, and they dance the night away. The Tough one comes at uh, Evanston, Illinois. Northwestern beat Syracuse 15-4. Megan Tyrell uh, opened the goal, opened the uh, scoring with a goal. She finished with uh, three. her first goal. She had three. The first goal was her 200th of her career. Seventh player in program history to reach that line. Kayla Trainer's first year, sensational. Um, they finished with a 15-6 and six record, and... I know they're disappointed not to be moving on to the semifinals. They lose at Northwestern 15-4. to So there you go. That's where we stand on the women's lax side. Men Sunday, Virginia against number one Maryland. The yep. two-time defender against the team to beat. Lars. Lars Tiffany on the show yesterday. Yeah, getting a charter, though. The boys will be ready to ride. Women's tennis, big time today. Yep. Women's softball, big time today. Men's tennis, this was uh, tomorrow. Virginia's still alive and kicking. A lot of stuff going on. And of course, baseball, baseball, baseball. There you go. On the other side, uh, we got high-profile coaches squaring off and then uh, being publicly reprimanded in their league. We'll talk about Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban after this. 
Packer and Durham. And you coach with people like Bobby Bowden and learn how to do things. You coach with other people and learn how not to do things. There's a reason people don't go, I ain't went back and worked for him with opportunities. Coach back behind don't the lines. Don't be associated with it. Said that in hour number one, it was an embarrassment to college athletics. I know there are a lot of folks thought it was hilarious and funny and all that. Can you run that by me one more time again? What was that? Quote? I wrote it down because I, I didn't understand what he said. Yeah. Uh, Jimbo said, uh, "There's a reason people don't. I ain't back and worked for him. Don't want to be associated with him." Like I said, I mean, there's a lot of people that took a great deal of joy and pride with all oh, this is hilarious. It's the greatest thing. Ever. I mean, I, I didn't find that to be. I mean, I was embarrassed for the SEC and Greg Sankey. I was embarrassed for college sports. Right. That's not what this is all about. Uh, I'm not, and again, I'm not naive enough to believe there aren't some folks out there doing some crazy stuff. But I mean, you basically had Nick Saban through Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M under the bus. They bought every single play. I mean, I said, you kid, don't do that. And then he's wasting time apologizing, dude. Said this in hour one. Greg Sankey should have brought both of them to Birmingham and said, I never want to hear you guys talk about this again on the air, social media. We're going to straighten this out like adults. I mean, that, that was an embarrassment to college sports. I was embarrassed for the SEC. I was embarrassed for I, a lot of people yesterday. I think it's going to be hard for um, – my guess is that there may be a little bit of an embargo with Southeastern Conference coaches doing some media here for a couple of days just to kind of let everybody settle in a little bit, you know. You just don't need anybody saying anything. Well, the problem is this, is this has become really volatile on a lot of fronts, and it's become explosive – to so many people for so many different reasons. Look, and you and I know we could have we could have an interview here where coaches talk about NIL, the impact of roster management and all these things. We can have very comfortable discussions. But we also know there is a dark side to all this and the the warfare quote that's going on in trying to keep players and the uh, you know, intermediaries that get involved in this and all the things that have happened because of the portal in NIL, right? We know that. We've heard those stories. We heard some of them last week in, in conversations with coaches that were not televised and things like that, right? Yep. I mean, let's just be honest. Yes. So what you had happen the other night was the button on the most successful college football coach of all time got pushed by somebody. And he went seven and a half minutes. And when he did, he was taking people with him because he'd reached a point. Well, probably thinking that he needed to get a message back out there, Jimbo Fisher went right by and probably against the wishes of one of the best communication guys in all of college football, right? At Texas A&M said, I'm having a press conference. I'm going to respond to all this. Remember, because Deion Sanders went to Twitter and said he'd respond. I don't know that we've gotten that yet. but yeah, it, Well, no. he did respond. Well, on Twitter he did, right? No, he responded oh, yesterday. Yeah, a press conference. So all these things being said, we're now seeing that dark side emerge. And quite frankly, it's not pretty. It's not pretty at all because nobody's got a rule book. This all goes back to the lack of rules, the lack of guidelines, yeah. the, the lack of administration, and now we've got two coaches that have flat embarrassed themselves. Well, I, I think it goes. You don't. You don't need a rule book to have common decency. 
Uh, and what, again, I thought what Nick Saban said the other night regarding the name, image, and likeness, I thought he was spot on. It's like basically the exact same thing Dabo Sweeney said six weeks ago and got crucified by some And he hit the, the button. Media. Somebody pushed the button, though. You know that. And he just went deep. I, I think there are, there's rules that you just don't cross. And they were, not only were they crossed by Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher, they were obliterated. And it was embarrassing. Now, maybe Jimbo felt a trillion percent better after getting it off his chest. We've all been upset about stuff before, and you just need to blow some steam. But there's a way to do it. Like I said, I I was embarrassed by all of it. Um, It's just just bad look. By the way, Bruce Feldman, who's a great writer. Yep. I I think the world of Bruce is in his work. He, He did a great story in The Athletic where they were talking to coaches, talking about what just took place in the last... 24 to 48 hours. And he has a line in there from a former coach who said, quote, always been an honor among Steve's mantra in the Southeastern Conference. And I thought that was interesting. And again, when all that stuff happens, you open up the door for problems. And that's why I said yesterday, and I will say it again today, the NCAA, uh, tag your it. Now, you walked it with your lawyerese in your statement a week ago about we're going to come down hard and heavy on name, image, and likeness. You had two of the most prominent coaches, two dudes that have won national championships. Nick Saban, to me, is the best I've ever seen, ever seen in college football. Throw a school under the bus and said they have bought every single player. And you had Jimbo Fisher going, hey, whatever that line was, uh, reason people don't I ain't back and work for him. Don't want to be a you know. You want to look at look up what God used to do over there. You'll find. I mean, he basically threw Nick Saban and his principles under the bus. You ask anybody, you'll find out. Well, that's what the NCAA should do. Yeah. I mean, and I'm not telling you that they're guilty or not. I have no earthly idea. But that was an embarrassment yesterday. Yep. That really was, and I I felt bad for college sports. I know there are people that loved it. And like I said, if you love the Jerry Springer show, you'll probably love all the nonsense from the Southeastern Conference in the last two days. It's, it's garbage. It was garbage. Yeah. And again, we'll see where this goes. SEC meetings are next week. They'll, that'll be, you know. And how about the spin, by the way? I said this yesterday, too. You'll see the Slurpee spin. And boy, did it happen yesterday. It was crazy. We don't, Nick never really accused anybody of cheating. <laughs> What? What are you talking about? What <laughs> world do you folks live in? Please. Yeah. Enough already. We know what it is. Yeah. We get it. So, makes October 8th interesting. Well, it, listen. Whatever. I mean, it, it, we're going to get to games. We're less than 100 days from the start of the college football season. And I'll say this again. I, I have utmost respect for the Southeastern Conference for the way they conduct their business in football in particular. It, to me, it is the standard. Yeah by which everybody should measure themselves in terms of their fan bases, their passion, their championships, and everything else. But the last two days to be do a critique was an embarrassment to the league and to the sport. Yep. All right, when we come back. <laughs> More candid photos. Ciao. Mark's trip to Italy. Yep. I don't think I own that shirt. But I appreciate it. We'll continue with more. Packer and Durham. Italian style. Italian style. Next.
Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. How's your Italian? Bandy. Both the band. Oh, my God. Alarite ACC. Do you have the ACC network? See. No, no. That's the question you'll need to ask. I can tell you what the answer will be. No. <laughs> Tiger, nove copo indietro. What is that? He's nine shots back. Nine shots back. <laughs> Where did Paolo Bancaro get drafted? Nove. Ninth. Nine o'clock. Bubba Cunningham will be here. You know how you say Bubba in Italian? Do you? No, I don't. You want me to tell you? Sure. Bubba. <laughs> this is an international show. Is there ever any doubt about that? There's not, and I said this earlier, there's not another conference network program that has more international interviews than our show. We proved it again today with Petra, Australian, number three ranked tennis player from Florida State. Awesome. So was uh, Emma Gossman, by the way, from Syracuse. But she's not international. No, she's from North Andover, Massachusetts. So, But when you're out there breaking ice in the middle of December so you can row, that's dedication. Yeah. But what, how about her deal, though? Man, that's pretty impressive. Um, we had some pictures. Of you in Italy going to break? These these promotional I, I photos? Don't, I don't are, believe these are accurate. What? I believe these are the creations of uh, the good <laughs> folks in Bristol. I have never been to Pisa. Uh, ever. <laughs> ever. That is not even on the agenda. The dark sunglasses are always my favorite pack uh, Those photos. I do have packs. Yeah, sure you do. That, that shirt, I've never owned that shirt. Uh-huh. You should have. Gotta give that back to Bubba. That's, yeah. Yeah. I've uh, been to the Coliseum. Yeah. Rome's on the agenda, but I don't do selfies unless it's with my friend, Jimmy. Jimmy Patara. Right. Runs the network. That looks uh, pretty much accurate right there. Yeah. Maybe. By the way, the face portion of these programs is brought to you from New Orleans. Apparently, they've gone and lifted some of your... Is that where those are from? Yeah. yeah you were at the Final Four. You were having pictures, man. Hmm. Wasn't so, aware of that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, we're looking forward to it. It's going to be some kind 11 of 11 months you've been waiting for a day off. It's been a while. Yeah. You know, I had COVID. I was on my deathbed for about two weeks. And I uh, got back August 1st, and I have not had a day off since. So, it's time to enjoy Ready life a that. little bit. Um, Get off the grid for a co- little bit. A couple of things here uh, for you. Drew Carter and uh, Dana Boyle will be here on Monday. First show ever of Packer and Durham without me or you. Yeah, that's right. So normally one of us has always been here. Tuesday and Wednesday of next week, you'll get um, recaps, best of Packer and Durham's uh, featuring ADs and football coaches so and not basketball a live show. coaches and Jim Phillips. Right. That's Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, so you get some time off. Uh, yeah. You get a couple days. I off. do get a couple days. And then Thursday and Friday, David Hale and uh, Andrea Adelson will join me. Oh. And we will go diving headlong into some of this offseason football with guests and players and people around the country and kind of set up a couple roundtables to uh, to break down some things. Well, I'll be thinking about you. No, you won't. Not a chance. Not a chance. Uh, we do have to tip the cap this morning. The Football Writers Association of America – every year ask their membership to vote for the best media services in all of uh, college football, Division One, And a couple of ACC schools three. went to the list this year. Three, in fact. 
Uh, so congratulations to Clemson. Clemson, Louisville, Miami. Yep. 11 were selected, three from the ACC. And Jeff Halfley, the head football coach of Boston College, was selected as the man. Yep. The Super 11 Coach of the Year. And that's the coach who grants the best media access, who – uh, you know, does media offerings, things of that nature. So congratulations to Jeff Hafflin. Can vouch for everyone that was nominated and selected. They were all outstanding. And let's give uh, let's give a couple directs here. Uh, Boston College, Jason Baum, our friend who recently left BC, went to Creighton. Uh, he's part of that Super 11 recognition for Jeff Hafley. Uh Rocco Gasparro, Kenny Klein at the University of Louisville, Cam Gorby, Carter Toole at Miami, and at Clemson, Ross Taylor. I mean, my gosh, the list goes on and on of the – Fabulous work that goes there. Jeff and everybody at Clemson does a great job. Graham Neff kind of oversaw that area before he became the poobah. And really to all the SIDs, uh, whether we're talking about the ACC or anywhere else, I mean, we've harped on this before, uh, do such an amazing job for shows like this one, all your play-by-play broadcasts and everything else. You really could not do the gig without all of them. So we salute all of them, men, women, everybody working behind the scenes. Chuck Walsh of Florida State, hat tip to you, sir, too. Helped us out today. Yeah. Chuck just sent me a note. Should, yeah. I, re- should I read the Jimbo sure. quote one more time? <laughs> I've, been, I've been trying to transcribe this because I saw it. I, like, I really don't want to make fun of it, even though I have. Because like I said, I was utterly embarrassed by what we were going through yesterday in sports. Uh-huh. Sure. But Jimbo said, a reason people don't, I ain't back and work for him, don't want to be associated with him. Talking about Coach Saban. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I don't, I don't think he was happy, but I don't know what that means. Yeah. Don't know. All right. Anything else before you uh, depart the Not continental really. United States? Not really. You know, I, I just, uh, I'm, not, I'm not dialed into it yet, but I will be by tonight. How about that? It's a, a good idea. Be dialed in. But it's going to be a fun trip. You know, we're going to do a little, um, it's going to be a little bit of everything. You know, we're going to do some major cities. We're going to be in the... You'll US. have pictures when you get back. Oh, I will send... You know, I'm not going to tell you I'm going to do a TikTok, even though I'm going to be with my girls. They may... they Maybe I'll do a TikTok. Maybe that's what I'll do. Okay. Look, here's the here's the word. You turn it this I'm way well when you take the pictures. I'm well aware of Well, that. you've been guilty of a lot of that. Nah, not really. You need to go like this. I know how it works. Ask the girls. They can help you. And I cannot wait for you to be in a TikTok. Yeah, I've You're never be, done a TikTok. Yeah. Now that our girl, Emily... Uh, Cole... Emco, remember? Yeah. Where it's all Emco now. Yeah. She was awesome. By the way, the student athletes this week, Terrific. seriously, we always brag about them. Terrific. But like the stories today with what Emma's doing at Syracuse, I mean, how awesome. I mean, I was incredibly impressed by that. Yeah. Emma Gossman from Syracuse Rowing, thank you for your time. Brittany really McKinney great. was great. She'll be covering softball today. Softball, by the way, coming up at noon from Clemson, 2 o'clock Virginia Tech. Uh, Petra Huell from Florida State, Bubba Cunningham as well. Uh, Great stuff. Dana Boyle and Drew Carter are here on Monday. Safe travels, my man. We will do our best to uh, represent the United States of America. (laughs) I don't know what that means. I have no idea what that means. Bread and sweets. Oh, all of that. And wine. I've given it all up for five and a half months, and it's coming to a screeching halt on this trip. Can't wait. Oh, my gosh. Uh, thanks as always to Drew Brooks, Casey O'Brien. Uh, we had Lisa Monday on a Friday. That's right. Yeah. Lisa Friday on a Monday. Whatever. Whatever. Monday on a Friday. 
Uh, Drew and Dana are here Monday. I will see you Thursday with David Hale and Andrea Adelson. Adio amici. On the ACC Network. Ciao. Tune into Packer and Durham weekday mornings from 7 to 10 Eastern for the best conversations about everything from the ACC. Find it on the ACC Network, Sirius XM Channel 371 and streaming on the ESPN app.